From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Monday, January 30th. The Bulletin of Atomic Scientists, a nonprofit organization that tracks man made threats across the globe, set the doomsday clock for 2023 last week. The clock is updated annually, and it marks the level of global existential threats, with midnight as a symbol of total annihilation. Last year's clock was set at 100 seconds to midnight. As Amy Haddon Marsh reports for KZMU, this year's clock is even closer. We moved the clock forward the closest it has ever been to midnight. 90 seconds to midnight. That's how close the world is in 2023 to total destruction. Not a cheery thought, but according to the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists, which analyzes world events, scientific research, and other data to set the clock, the fate of the world is threatened by nuclear weapons, war, climate change, cyber attacks, and biothreats. For 2023, a bubbling cauldron of problems has brought the world closer to the brink, including the war in Ukraine. Dr. Rachel Bronson is president and CEO of The Bulletin. The war's effects also undermine global efforts to combat climate change as countries dependent on Russian oil and gas have expanded investment in natural gas and Russia's false accusations that Ukraine planned to use radiological dispersal devices, chemical weapons and biological weapons take on a new meaning as well. The continuing stream of disinformation about bioweapons laboratories in Ukraine raises concerns that Russia itself may be thinking of deploying such weapons. The Bulletin of Atomic Scientists was founded in 1945 by J. Robert Oppenheimer, Albert Einstein, and other prominent scientists, and has been setting the doomsday clock every year since 1948. The clock was designed by artist Martel Langsdorff to show how close humanity is to destroying itself. The annual resetting of the clock asks the questions, is humanity safer or at greater risk than last year and previous years? Mary Robinson, former president of Ireland and chairperson of the Elders, an independent group of global leaders and Nobel Peace laureates, said that the nations of the world must work together now more than ever to reduce these threats. We live today in a world of interlocking crises each illustrating the unwillingness of leaders to act in the true long-term interests of their people. The climate crisis, nuclear proliferation, and pandemics all demand a crisis mindset from leaders. We need urgent multilateral action and bold ethical leadership. Frankly, we're not seeing it. A reporter from Russian news agency TASS reminded the panel about how the U.S. and its allies are sending tanks and possibly fighter jets to Ukraine, asking how this affects U.S.-Russian strategic talks on arms control and if it increases the risk of nuclear conflict. Dr. Steve Fetter, dean of the Graduate School and professor of public policy at the University of Maryland and member of the Bulletin's Science and Security Board, supports sending weapons. U.S. military assistance uh, to Ukraine may complicate those efforts, but I think is is essential for the long-term risks of nuclear war, nuclear proliferation, that Ukraine is able to resist the invasion and repel Russian forces. So we, we should do everything we can to support Ukraine in that. More information about the Doomsday Clock is at thebulletin.org. Reporting for KZMU, I'm Amy Haddon-Marsh.
The Ute Mountain Ute Tribe is hosting a series of workshops for Native children to reconnect with Ute culture. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Clark Adamitis brings us this report. At the Ute Mountain Ute Recreation Center in Toyak, Colorado, a handful of children are learning to make traditional skirts. You can do the front and back. You can do applique on it where you can sew on like different patterns on top of your ribbons. Juanita Plentyholes is the program director for Tiwahe and Project Peak, a well-being program for tribal families and kids. Um, we're hoping that by attending these classes, it'll engage the kids to learn more and staying on top of their studies, so where they have an increase in school attendance as well as an increase in graduation rates. A few relatives sit close by while the kids work the sewing machines. Juanita Plentyhole says this is an important part of the program too. There's a disconnect between the younger generation and the older generations, and this way we're trying to bridge the two together. The kids stitch together fabrics and colorful ribbons. Jadalyn Perseliano and Wayne Adams are cousins. I wanted to learn how to make a skirt and make one on my own. I like to sew and because my auntie and my uncle are here with me to help me. So when you finish your skirt, when do you think you'll be wearing it? At a powwow or a bear dance. Sun dance. The workshop is funded through a grant from the Colorado Department of Education. Project Peak includes a number of fashion workshops, as well as workshops that focus on healthy food and outdoor activities. It was pretty cool to give the students an opportunity to look at all the fabric and ribbons. Kelly Holmes is a Cheyenne River Lakota woman who lives in Denver. She's the founder and editor of Native Max Magazine, a fashion publication. Earlier in January, she taught a ribbon skirt workshop in Toyok as part of Project Peak. I brought down different colors of material, fabric and ribbons. Some of the girls even just could not wait till after school. They would come straight to our class and they would say, oh, I'm so happy and excited to be here. Kelly Holmes has been in the fashion world for well over a decade. I was discovered as a model when I was 16 years old here in Denver. When I did my first photo shoots and fashion shows, I was super scared. I was shy at the time, very antisocial. But it really opened my eyes up to building up my confidence. With these workshops, she hopes that she can show young Native kids that there's a way to fuse together fashion with cultural identity. Kind of talk a little bit about fashion as a way of expressing ourselves. How you can incorporate your culture and your heritage into fashion. Project Peak hosts a shawl-making class from January 30 through February 2 at the Ute Mountain Ute Recreation Center in Toyak. I'm Clark Adamitis. Thousands of birds migrating across New Mexico dropped dead in the fall of 2020. Why? Emma Gibson of the Mountain West News Bureau reports on how the concept of disaster ecology impacts our region. At first, researchers thought the mass die-off was due to disease. But now, scientists think it could be linked to extreme weather conditions. Jean Fair is with Los Alamos National Laboratory. She says catastrophic events like this will happen more. When we have these sort of extreme events, there are always consequences. They can be direct, like birds falling out of the sky, or happen more slowly, like the die-off of conifer trees by drought, higher temperatures, or insect infestations. 
And then what effect does that have on the humans that use these resources? She says understanding how ecosystems adapt will help mitigate, predict, or prevent these things from happening. For the Mountain West News Bureau, I'm Emma Gibson. And that's the KZMU News for Monday, January 30th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.